Welcome to MHM Podcast Network on MovieHouseMemories.com. Podcast for pod people. Our feature presentation begins now. Hey, fans of Lunchtime Movie Review. You're about to listen to one of the classic episodes of Lunchtime. This is our review of Superman the Movie, which was originally released during Lunchtime's original run back in 2011-2012. This episode came out on April 4th of 2012, and Matt... Randy, Chris, and myself reviewed this film. And as you'll hear in the podcast, we talk about the, the how they haven't been able to get Superman right, as well as the impending release of Man of Steel, which obviously in 2016 has been out for some time. And we're actually getting ready for Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, uh, which is one of the reasons we've decided to re-release Superman the Movie podcast at this particular point in time. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our little review of this film from 1978. You're listening to Lunchtime Movie Review from lunchtimemoviereview.com, and we are the children of the 80s. Lunchtime movie review. We're here to review another film from our childhood, or for some of us when we were toddlers. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. And I'm Randy. We are finally bringing a superhero film. And why not start with the ultimate hero, Superman? But first, the following public service announcement is brought to you by Bosch and Loam. Are you a tall, good-looking, athletic person with perfect skin and great teeth? Tired of people noticing you? Then get some glasses. Yes, glasses will make even the most dynamic person appear ordinary and even boring. Glasses, so no one will notice you no matter what. The effects of glasses is aided by parting your hair on the other side. (laughs) All right. Patrick, you got Superman. Superman, the movie that makes you believe a man could fly. In one tragic moment, that world was destroyed. But there was one survivor. Now, wouldn't that beat all get out? Because of the wisdom and compassion of Jor-El, because he knew the human race had the capacity for goodness, He sent us his only son. His name is Kal-El. He will call himself Clark Kent. But the world will know him as Superman. This year, Superman brings you the gift of flight. Superman, the movie. The film begins on the planet Krypton, a planet made of crystal. Jor-El, the biological dad of Superman, is hard at work sensing three bad guys to life in a mirror. We know they are bad guys because they wear black, while everyone else on Krypton wears white. How do they expect and to they get... have facial hair. And they had facial hair, that's true too. How do they expect to get away with anything with these clever disguises? 
After sensing the trio to hard time as the changing room mirror and Lane Bryant, Jarrell tries to convince the leaders of Krypton to flee the planet because their sun will explode. They refuse, causing Jarrell to send his son, the infant Kal-El, or Superman, as we know him on the primitive planet at Earth, into space on his own. During one of the many exp- exposition scenes, we are told that Earth's yellow sun and Kal-El's dense molecular structure will give him superhuman powers. So off Kal-El goes into the wild blue yonder, and boom goes the dynamite that was Krypton. Kal-El and the other three baddies are the only surviving people from Krypton, but more of that in part two. We jump ahead three years where Kal-El finally makes it to Earth. And ladies and gentlemen, that has to be one ranked diaper that Jonathan and Martha Kent find on their wayward (laughs) infert when he crash lands in front of them in the flatlands of the Midwest. The next half hour summarizes what took ten seasons of Smallville to do, mainly that our hero, now called Clark Kent, grows up to be the lamest Boy Scout superhero that ever existed. Clark eventually ditches the... Sorry, what? Smallville went ten. Smallville went ten seasons. I'm y- sorry. Yeah, Smallville went ten seasons. <laughs> Jesus the Christ! First, the yeah. first three or four were pretty great. Clark eventually ditches the farm and heads north because his little green crystal told him to. Once there, he throws it into the water and it turns into a lovely two-bedroom condo with an amazing great room. What it lacks in color, it more than makes up for in privacy. The ghost of Jarrell appears and explains to his son his origins and powers. Dad is a little long-winded because it takes 12 years for him to come to the end of that story. <laughs> now Clark Kent is Superman, or Christopher Reeve as we knew him. He flies towards camera in the iconic blue and red suit and heads to Metropolis, did the DC comic equivalent to New York. Once there, he takes a job as a bumbling reporter for the Daily Planet. There he encounters Jimmy Olsen, Perry White, and Lois Lane, the woman that Clark instantly falls in love with who doesn't give two shits about him. We are also introduced to the infamous Lex Luthor, the greatest criminal mind of our time, who lives underground and surrounds himself with idiots. Lex is planning a little real estate scam, because that is what all villains want to do in in the Superman universe. Land. That's all that matters. But we'll get back to that later. Clark makes his debut as Superman by saving Lois in a helicopter from hitting the pavement in front of the Daily Planet. The media goes nuts. Everybody wants information on the Flying Boy Scout, similar to Peyton Manning before coming a Bronco. But Supes gives the exclusive to his favorite reporter, Lois Lane, and we, the audience, are subjected to one of the worst poetry readings of all time. <laughs> Meanwhile, Luther moves forward with his plans to create a new West Coast by sinking most of California into the desert with a well-placed missile into the San Andreas Fault. And although Superman has no hint of his plan whatsoever, Luther brings him to his hidden secret lair and tells him every detail of the plan. While this would seem stupid, Luther plans to kill Superman with the irradiated meteor of Soup's former planet, Krypton. So what could go wrong? He wraps it around his neck and throws it into the pool. Little did Luther know that if he wanted to stop Superman, he should have put him on a horse. Oh, damn. <laughs> Is it too soon? Uh, <laughs> well, apparently not. No. Well, that horse's name was Kryptonite. <laughs> yep. Superman is helped by Lex's main squeeze, Miss Tessmacher, who makes him a promise to stop the missile that is heading towards Hackensack, New Jersey first, before going to stop the California detonation, as if anyone would give a shit if a town in New Jersey was nuked. Superman is able to stop the New Jersey nuke, but he can't stop the California nuke from hitting the fault. He spends 10 minutes of film saving everyone, and I mean absolutely everyone in California from getting hurt. However, he's not able to save Lois from drowning in dirt on a desert road. Superman is devastated by Lois's death and flies off screaming into the sky. Once there, he encounters the ghosts of his father, who warn him that he has a purpose and that he is forbidden to interfere in human history. Our alien Boy Scout says, f*** that, and flies so fast he causes the planet to spin in reverse on its axis. 
Little did we know that that's what we needed to go back in time, not a DeLorean. He reverses time so Lois never dies, although it is unclear whether, if the missile hit still happened as well. Superman then captures Luthor and his ignorant minion and drops them off at the nearest prison. Our film ends with Superman flying around the Earth with a smile on his face. Little did he know that there would be a part three and part four to come. That is Superman. Hmm. Yeah, so when did Superman come out? Superman, Superman was released on December 15, 1978. It was released around the same time as Every Which Way But Loose, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, California Suite, and Force 10 from Navarone. It grossed 134, over $134 million. It was the wow. third highest grossing film of 1978. Uh, it was behind Grease and Animal House. And it was right in front of Every Which Way But Loose, Jaws 2, and Heaven Can Wait. They said I was three years old when it came out. But I remember very vividly seeing this this thing pretty early on in my life. So it was uh, this was a kind of a seminal film, I think, for uh, for most kids. Yeah, I, I remember seeing it in the theater multiple times. Um, I and I know a couple times at the drive-in it would be the second feature. But it was, I mean, I remember seeing it like in '79 and '80. So it probably was. It probably had legs and played for a long time. It was huge on the HBO rotation. Oh, yeah. Once it came, I, we actually, I think it was the first month we had HBO was the first month they had Superman because it played for all, all the time. Yeah, well, that would make sense why I would feel like I've just, like I said, had every scene seared onto my memory because of the blame HBO, I guess. But let's talk about the, the, the actors uh, that are in this. Christopher Reeve, really completely unknown. Uh, at this point, was casted as an unknown. Yeah, he did done like some television work, and he was had a supporting role in a film called Gray Lady Down prior to this. That actually Ned Beatty was also in as well, but uh, he was he was completely unknown. Juilliard Train, friend of Robin Williams. Not that Robin Williams was even famous, right? I think at this point in time, but pre Mark, I thought he was absolutely great in the role. I I don't care for the Superman character, but he is who I envision as Superman. And even though I've hmm. seen. 20 different versions of Superman since then with different actors. He's still the, the character that I remember most with Superman. I, I, I think he's perfect in the role. He plays it just very, very well. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I like his delivery. I like his deadpan, kind of dry humor, both as Clark Kent, which is a different delivery, and as Superman. I do like it, and I do think he's a... I, I wrote... I. I in my notes, I put, as far as actors go, Christopher Reeve is very good, and Gene Hackman is good. All of the character sucks. Yeah, I agree with that. The Luther character sucks. Gene Hackman. And I, you know, I remember reading and watching the documentaries about how the other actors they were talking about getting Nick Nolte, um, Robert Redford, Warren uh, Beatty. Warren Beatty. Um, none of these guys, I think, could have played Superman. It would have been Warren Beatty as Superman. It's not necessary. You know, Christopher Reeve, casting unknown, has the advantage of that he has. He doesn't bring in the other roles that he's done. And I think Christopher Reeve was able. It was a little freer to just try to play the character and not be himself. You know, playing the character. And I think that's what ultimately worked. Also, to ultimately typecast him in that role, and he never really got himself out of it. He had a couple of other different films, but. Superman is what he was remembered for, and Superman is what, you know, ultimately when, when he died, I think that's what everyone, you know, oh, he was Superman. No, I, agree, I agree 100%. I've, uh, got a, I've got a question. Like, you know, the two things that make me despair about American culture today are reality TV shows and superhero movies. And Oh, f*** you. I love superhero movies. <laughs> yeah, well, f- I'm with you with the reality television. 
<laughs> so they're they're doing <clears throat> every comic, and they're doing Spider-Man for like the twelfth different version coming up soon. The untold story. How come Superman? It's not like this is like the quintessential superhero movie. How come they haven't touched it and done a remake of this since nineteen? You know, since the seventies and early eighties. Superman Returns, my friend. Yeah. You may want to wake up from uh, your coma. Yeah, came out in two thousand six. <laughs> so I, I have I have an aversion to superhero movies, obviously, but it was a very was forgettable uh, movie, really. Yeah. Yeah, they also well, it was very different, though. In fairness, in Superman Returns, the story was very different. The bad guy was a guy named Lex Luthor. He, he, he surrounded himself with idiots, unlike right. in this film. And he wanted land. Yeah. The <laughs> difference in Superman Returns was uh, Superman was leering into uh, Lois Lane's house like some uh, stalker, as opposed <laughs> to the all-American hero. Maybe that talks well, to our values nowadays. Yeah, well, it does... The theory of that, as I recall, was they were going to pretend as if three and four never existed, and it was going to be uh, kind of picking up where two left off. Is that is that right? Yeah, with two was the one where he got rid of his powers and used his super sperm to impregnate Lois. Uh, theoretically, yes. theoretically, yeah. We could we could talk about that for a million yeah. years about the theory, but that was the that was the wish is that let's forget these existed and this one just comes afterwards. But, but yeah. you bring up a good point, Randy, and something that I thought the same thing about was what were were there other uh, superhero films kind of around this time or even soon after, you know, from from the the you know we'll call it the canon, right? Whether it be the DC you know universe or Marvel. Uh, were, were there any films uh, that were that, that kind of came out within, say, five TV years? shows? Yeah, no, no, no. I got, I got TV shows, and that's the thing I was thinking is there was definitely a Wonder Woman, and you had um, the Incredible Hulk, Batman and Batman and Robin. You had the Incredible Hulk. There wasn't. There was a couple. I know even Spider Man in a television show in the seventies, and then there was Incredible Hulk. There was Wonder Woman. There was a Batman, but there was, was Captain there had, America too. Yeah, there was a Captain America series, not a good one, but there was a Captain America right, series. As far as film, there's really no. not superhero films. No, it was just Superman. Yeah, not and not until about that I can think of right off the top of my head. Not till '89 when Batman comes out. I think there was Aquaman versus the uh, Japanese fisherman uh, <laughs> in '78. <78. laughs> well, and it is interesting that they do, that people don't take the success of Superman and say, "Well, let's do something." Let's do something else, and and well, yeah, it's just it, it is interesting that this was the only one that they did, and and forever, I think, and, and still to some degree, Superman is viewed as kind of the uh, certainly on the Mount Rushmore of of superheroes, and probably uh, you know considered kind of the ninth, number one uh, main superhero, right? No, not in my view, but that's okay. Well, I agree, <laughs> not not with not necessarily. My view, but I think he he's kind of the got the best powers in the Justice League. He's always number one. Super yeah. friends. I mean, he was you right a there. Guy who's who can do everything, and then he's not that interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I and I think that's part of the fault of Superman, and I also think that's one of the, the faults of the film is that I anticipate at the end that we're all going to find fault in this film. But the one of the reasons this film is not interesting is there's no angst to this character, and that's always kind of been the problem with Superman is that Superman has the powers it can pretty much beat anybody at any time he's invulnerable and especially in the movie series it's like they create powers for him he can always do something you know he can fly fast enough to cause the earth to spin around and go back in time it's like oh shit i didn't know you could do that you can take so, carbon and squish it and make it into diamonds yeah he did that and another one uh, i mean it's always 
you know, unlike Batman, who's got you know carrying on all carrying on this grief, and the same with Spider Man and some of the other superheroes, he's just not that interesting. He's a Boy Scout, and I think maybe in 1978, you know, he plays it plays very very well. But I think in 2012, I don't think, and and in, even in two thousand, I think it was 2006, Superman Returns is that he's not that interesting of a character to people because he doesn't have that, for lack of a better term, a dark side to him, the, the kind of depth to him. He is, he's the Boy Scout, and that's, that's why well, I don't th- think Superman plays very well to adults. He plays well to kids, but not to adults. And also when this movie came out, it was just a couple years removed from America's uh, 200-year birthday, you know? And so there's still some of that uh, patriotism going around. And he does represent, I think, out of all the superheroes, American patriotism. Oh, totally. And he well, the reason why he's resonates more then is, is that was during the the height of the Cold War, and it was all about you know it was two ideologies about how to you know how government should run you know communism or or, hmm. or capitalism, and so his whole his whole mantra you know truth justice in the American way like yeah everyone everyone's for it during the Cold War, but now you know everyone knows that the United States isn't. Perfect in its foreign relations. In America, fuck yeah. Yeah. And that also brings up a, a point I wanted to make uh, on the the home of uh, Krypton. You know, there's this big ominous red sun that's going to destroy everything. And I thought this was, I thought this was like a communist uh, metaphor because you know I'm always going to go for metaphors. But uh, you know, the, it's this council on uh, Krypton. Um, who's not letting the public know just how um, bad this uh, this uh, situation is that's going to kill them? And they decide without the uh, without the people's knowledge or consent to, that they're all going to stay. You know, and uh, I, I think it's interesting that this council the the word for council in Russian is Soviet. So I see some uh, some parallels that they're going that the homeworld of Krypton was the the communists, and they're going to Earth to America the. Land of the free, the home of the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> yeah, well, I see. I went. I also went all uh, Chris and, and <laughs> the metaphor and symbolism of this, and I saw it as uh, really a discussion about illegal immigration <laughs> and how aliens can come and be embrace good. everything that's associated with the country so much so that they can embody all the ideals. Um, that, that America kind of stands for, uh, and Superman is is what is precisely what Amer- what uh, illegal aliens can become uh, if they just well speak the language yeah. and, and embrace uh, uh, embrace uh, American culture. They can be Midwestern, six foot tall, blonde, or no, they're not blonde, blue eyes. <laughs> yeah, and have uh, to take all our jobs because uh, you know who needs a police department anymore? Yeah, nobody complained about that illegal. <laughs> well, let's talk about the at least the story um, as 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 talked about in the or as, as how it's presented in the film uh, because I I was blown away with how long the origin story portion was right getting him to become Superman um, which is necessary with with these number ones you know Spider Man I think does a great job of it Iron Man did a great job of it um, you know these films and 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 the the new um, Batman Begins, I thought, did, did a really good job with it. So you have to do that. I was amazed at how long it took, but more importantly, how long it felt as I was watching it. Do you guys have the same feeling? I couldn't wait for the guy to have a heart attack that was watching this one. <laughs> I'm like, just get on with it. 
Well, it's one thing to be long in, and accomplish something, but they weren't accomplishing much at all with the time they spent on it. I, that was my impression. Like, I didn't understand why you build up this um, um, thing with the, the kids at his high school. You know, sure, it shows that he was a nerd, but he had all these abilities. But it, it really wasn't necessary to this film. Like, all of his friends back home, um, you could have edited them out and just got, gotten on with the story for this. Yeah, I mean... There's a lot of editing that could have gone on. With yeah, yeah there's, I agree with you. But I, along Chris's point that... That becomes like it's a footnote in the story that he could have been the biggest dick in the fucking school is all I care about. He's going to go sit in an ice cave for 12 years and listen to his dad talk and he's going to be a changed man. You could have, you know, you could even had it some character development if you wanted to do it that way. But, you know, they have to show that he's the Boy Scout. He's got these good Midwestern values and he's not flaunting his powers or his abilities. He has to use them for a purpose. And I... I don't understand what the high school element added. I think that was, you know, two or three minutes, five minutes, whatever, that you could have taken out of the film. And, th- and this is a film, I think, that desperately needed to be pared down quite a bit. That Does, even, even in the 1970s when I saw it, I remember going, Jesus Christ, I wish he just turned into Superman because that's when the movie gets good. You know, And I have, having seen it like three or four times in the theaters or at a drive-in, it was like... Oh God, I can't stand this part. You know, they're on Krypton. Now he's a little kid. Now he's a, you know, a bigger kid. Now he's up in the snow. All right, now he's Superman. All right, it's a good movie now. So right, and it does. You know, I, I forget what what film it is where they talk about this, but how Superman's always been Superman, right? He he his, um, you know, he 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 has to hide with Clark Kent, but he really is Superman, and he's always been Superman. Whereas the other superheroes. They become there's some event in their in their life that causes them to adopt that persona, uh, and he's the only one that kind of uh, is always there, and and that makes it less compelling and less interesting for how he becomes Superman because he is Superman. If that makes sense. No, I mean that's a, a big distinction between most of the other superheroes is that you know fate has intervened and caused them to be that way, and this is just the way he is, and it's kind of. It kind of almost almost the reverse of uh, Spider-Man, where Spider-Man, you know, gets these powers and flaunts them, and then learns responsibility. He's responsible throughout the whole thing, and then it's kind of like, okay, now he's once he hears his dad talk for twelve years, now I can go and use my abilities in the right way, you know. And in those other movies, uh, it's pretty much they waste the first hour of them just getting these uh, powers, which usually takes me out of all the superhero movies of today. Yeah, I agree with that. Is that you know that I hate first films because they usually have to spend some time doing spend so much time doing an origin. And the one film that I can think of that they don't really do that is even the first Batman with Tim Burton and Michael Keaton. Is that right. they kind of handle it in a couple little flashbacks and then they move on. And I I think that's a better way of doing it than spending it. Uh, this was the probably the longest origin that I can think of in the films and. And the less comp- least compelling, but I, I do disagree with you guys. I I have been surprised at how much I've liked the origin stories in those in, in the films that have come out. The spy, the first Spider Man, like I said, Iron Man, and then the Batman Begins. I really liked uh, kind of seeing that part of it. So yeah, but yeah, I mean, but they're you know you now you're getting into the 2000s. Don't you see how they've you know we've learned from Superman. We've got to pull oh, this down. Yeah. yeah, we've got to shorten this out mm-hmm. or it, use it in a way that gets us to him being the hero faster. Yeah, you're, no, I, I, you're not going to see Tony Stark as a little kid learning how to drink alcohol, you know. So. 
<laughs> doing doing lines of coke. Yeah, dad teaches them low. I mean, I'd like to see that, depending on what strippers he uses. But you know, I can understand why they don't throw uh, it in the film. Uh, it was also a little weird. I thought I, f- I forgot that they do show a little kid naked right at the beginning, uh, which generally don't. You don't I see think that it. was at the request of a grant from Penn State. <laughs> oh. That is too soon. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Allegedly. Yeah. Well, it was the 70s, you know. It was a different era. Man, you know, nudity, it's okay to be okay. It, so so anything else? What, what else did you guys want to talk about about the story? What else jumped well, out to you about the, the whole arc of the story once he finally becomes Superman? You know, this is my question about it. His dad always said uh, that you're not supposed to alter human history. But it seems like every single time he saves somebody... Anything he's that altering. he he's altering history, you know. Uh, if he wasn't there to um, to save everybody, he or if he saved everybody, he altered them every the history every time. So he kind of went against his dad's advice for everything. <laughs> well, if if he's not there to do the stuff that he does, what I mean, because Jarrell tells him you got a purpose, but don't alter history. And then what the right. hell is he supposed to do? Anything you do involves history. So I, I, I was a, that was like a paradox. Well, he, he's here to help humankind, you know, that they could, I think the line was like, they could be a good people, you know, Kal-El, um, they just, I yeah, forget. They need to be shown the way or something Shown like the that. way or something like that, which is to build light. your cities out of crystal light. <laughs> yeah. Crystal light. <laughs> the, you know, it's it's interesting. As we're, I'm, I, I'm going, I guess, more back to the, it's hard to not to talk about the mythology of, of Superman generally when you're talking about this film because this is uh, this story does cover so much of, of the comic book and the mythology. But it, as well as uh, Superman being kind of an uninteresting hero, uh, I find Lex Luthor is a completely uninteresting villain and bad guy uh, compared to any other uh, you know any other I guess uh, superhero or antihero. Uh, and and it's no different here in this film, you know. He's this bumbling. Uh, at least he's supposed to be brilliant, but he's but he's not really. He comes off. Uh, I was I was explaining it to somebody is the scene where he's going to try to get the the codes or change the codes to the to the missiles. Yeah, I feel like it's a it's a scene from Cannonball Run with Burt Reynolds and uh, Dom DeLuise changing outfits and coming up with some ploy as they're as they're doing things. So he's just even this film doesn't I think do a great job of. Of showing why we would care that Lex Luthor is really the the one of the most evil guys that would cause as much wreak as much havoc as he does. Well, yeah, I- compare compare it to Batman with uh, Jack Nicholson. You know, there's a whole history with him and ba- and and um, Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Wayne. Yeah, there's this whole history. You know, he kills his parents, and then later he has this. Uh, he's betrayed, and and he, he has this horrible accident that makes him even more psycho. Um, Lex Luthor just shows up as the psycho with all the equipment and the two bumbling idiots. So, yeah, they're, 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 he's not very compelling, the character. And no, I, I thought well, the actor was good, but the uh, character sucks. Gene Hackman's good, I mean, as far as an actor. but um, Well, I think this hits on something that uh, is a huge problem with this film, is it didn't know if it wanted to be campy and funny or a little bit more serious and, and dark. You know, the the villain tried to be a little bit... More dark, but they, his people around him were campy and funny. Superman was campy and funny, but and I think that created some. If, at least for me, it created a, a problem with the the overall feel of this movie. Yeah, I, I agree with Chris. Is that I mean, I also agree with Matt as well that I don't think the villain is sinister enough, and that and even his motivation is all just about real estate. That 
you know, it's, <laughs> I, it just, it, you know, as a child, it didn't mean anything to me. He's the bad guy. I get it. But as an adult, it's kind of like, really? This is what it's all about? I mean, it's a little bit clever, but it's, at the end of the day, it's just about money. And and how are you going to collect that money, head? Everybody seems to be looking for you. And if you buy all this land, when you come to, you know, sell it, they're going to arrest your dumb ass. And, and, that he, and I agree that they add these these bumbling characters around him. It, uh, it does seem like they're, they're walking this line between a serious, serious film and camp and that they add these two characters to surround the main villain, basically there for comedy relief. It's and like a movie full of Jar Jars. Yeah. Well, almost. <laughs> I mean, Ned Beatty is just, there's no purpose to him whatsoever other than comic relief. And, and he was somewhat of a well-known name at the time that he had been in a few films that had done well. So, yeah, he got raped by a couple of rednecks, right? Yes, he did. Oh, and he was in Deliverance, too. Yeah. <laughs> that was a delayed reaction. <laughs> well, and you talk about motivation of Lex Luthor in the film. He also has no motivation as to why he wants to take out Superman. It's not real clear why he, he wants to, you know, why he wants to find the crypt tonight and why he wants to take him out. It kind of just becomes because. Well, yeah, and that's said he wanted to meet him. This is the way he wanted to meet him. So he's a fan. Yeah. Well, he's either very narcissistic, which he probably is, but sure. But you know, kind of the thing I brought out in the summary that Superman wasn't even aware of this plan. Didn't we- wasn't aware that there was even a danger, and probably wouldn't have been aware of this danger. And he kind of introduces himself to Superman. Oh yeah, by the way, here's my sister plan, and it's going on right now. And what you going to do about it? And there was no point to it. It's just like. It just it just goes against logic to do it, and I know the argument is, oh, he's narcissistic. He wants the challenge. It's like, oh, f- that. He wants the land. He doesn't want the challenge. Right. And on top of that, his logic just to figure out that kryptonite could hurt Superman. If you think about it, like that makes no sense. It's a chunk of his home world, and it landed in the desert coincidentally, and yeah, that'll kill him. I'm sure. And, and, it, and I still didn't grasp why, how Lex Luthor ever figured out that that would be the case yeah well, he must have read a comic book i think that's, yeah, that's, that's exactly <laughs> you know it's no, it's the equivalent of saying hey if someone throws a piece of cactus at me it might kill me because i was born in the desert <laughs> so <laughs> but i've now moved away you know whatever right uh well let's talk about uh, some of the scenes that that stand out do we, we already talked about well, generally kind of the beginning but for for me the first one that's just weird and, and off-putting is the special effect when he's running next to the train and he's just got oh, this weird God. looking gait, you know, <laughs> as, as he's doing that. That's, that's the one. That's the one that always stands out to me. Teenage kids always act awkward, and I think that was just uh, his growing phase. Uh, I was just talking about the special effects and the way he was kind of running. <laughs> if you slow it down, like every step he would take, the foot would slide like a uh, hundred yards because they. <laughs> For some reason, they didn't. Uh, they didn't get his feet. They couldn't speed up his feet to match the the velocity of a train. And so he would run. The feet would slide and then run. It was it was awkward and embarrassing. I mean, and, and the, the difference is the flying actually in '78 uh, actually looks pretty good. I think. No, I think. I mean, even by today's standards, I think they did a pretty good job. Obviously, some oh, there are some scenes that look very rear projection-ish, like when they're flying around the, you know, the Statue of Liberty that's in Metropolis. You know, not the... In, <laughs> not <laughs> New York. Not New York. Metropolis. There's another one that's someplace else. It's not New York City at all. Or, the, you know, the fact that you saw the Twin Towers behind him and half the freaking flying scenes. Right. But, 
Um, no, I think the flying scenes do pretty did a pretty good job, and I think that I think they did a decent job with that. Well, let's talk about the scene where they are flying. That's um, that's pretty classic cinema right there. What, which one were you uh, with Lois? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, I think the temperature up there would have been I don't know close to zero at that elevation, and she's in like her little nightgown. His X-ray vision couldn't figure out she's got goosebumps. <laughs> Yeah, goosebumps, but wasn't talking about, you know. If I have to point to a sequence in the film that absolutely just takes me out every time I see it, that's the the whole poetry reading sequence, you know, know, can you read my mind crap that... That um, entire, yeah, that entire monologue that she gives as she's thinking is just so... You would wish that they were doing it, you know, as as a joke because it's that bad. Yeah, I mean, it's just... And I don't know why that ultimately made the final cut because this was a long movie for '78, and everything yeah. generally was under two hours. And why would you would spend five minutes in there, and it, it just a bad, bad scene, and that just really didn't have any place. And it, and all it does is reaffirm that she's in love with Superman and doesn't give two shits about Clark Kent and how he right. feels for her. So it was it was uh, it was a poor, poorly executed attempt to just really establish a love story. Because uh, you, you know he had to care enough to do what he did at the end to save her, to, to bring her back to life. And so she wasn't even that hot. No, I would have gone after Luther's. I don't gore. get Margot yeah. Kidder, man. Yeah, I'm an orth- I'm an orthodontist, so teeth are my life. And I could not figure out what was wrong with her teeth exactly. I, <laughs> uh, like when she was indoors and she would smile, it was like, ugh. It, she, her, you know, her teeth weren't crooked, but her smile was ugly. Did you guys think that was? I, I mean, just, I noticed something is off in her face, but I just assumed it was her face. Yeah, I, 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 I got stuck on her face going, eh, I still like Luther's girl better. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely would have saved Miss Tessbacher. No, I was, I was, when she says, why can't I get it on with one of the good guys? Well, all right, let's do that right now. Screw that fucking missile. <laughs> is there, Patrick, are you, or Chris, one of you guys a comic fan? I Actually, I'm uh, quite a big I, okay. I'll let my nerd so, flag fly. I'm quite a bit of a comic fan, but I'm not a big Superman fan. I've read some Superman comics, but I can't say well, I could talk about the lore as well as most people. Yeah, I mean, one of the jokes, I mean, you got to be kidding me. You can't tell they're the same person, Lois Lane. And uh, and someone once told <laughs> me that um, that Superman wore special glasses that actually changed people's perception of him when he was Clark Kent, so... There was some magic with the glasses. Is that part of the comic? That's what I've heard as well. Oh, I've that's even beyond me. I've never even heard of that one. So that's just like when uh, there's ghost hunters uh, um, that go over to Europe and the ghosts are speaking English. They're like, oh, when you die, uh, you you understand all languages. It's just, I think it's a made up thing. Well, I mean, I I did hear that that in the comic book it says that they realize kind of the ridiculousness of putting on glasses and people not recognizing you. So it's as if they have magical properties that affect the other person's uh, perception, but whatever. Yeah. (laughs) And when the glasses come off, they make women spout poetry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you you leave it to a couple Jewish guys to come up with a superhero and this is what they come up with. Well, in the 1930s, you know, Superman can hide a little bit better behind glasses and a hat because um, that was the style of the time. Although they tried to bring that back in this film, but yeah, um, they did. You know, you, you, when you're covering up your head and wearing glasses, it's probably more effective disguise than. In this well, and Randy brought that up, and I do think that was just an homage to the comic, 
right? The and the the hat and kind of the look of of the olden the olden days, as it were. Well, I grew up in the the Southwest during the '70s, so everybody wore a hat. It just was a cowboy hat. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a lot of people in New York were wearing, uh, you know, wearing hats yeah. out to the, out the street. Not until the urban cowboy came out, and that's when it changed everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any other scenes that that stood out? Uh, well, Randy, you actually were talking about the the end scene and kind of the science of science about the going back in time. I, uh, you know, actually, the speed of light is uh, going around the Earth, and that's the surface of the Earth. If you remember the scene, he's like way wider. His path is wider than the Earth. Seven point four times around the Earth in one second is the speed of light. I think he was going about the speed of light, maybe. Maybe they took that into account. But what I don't understand is, because basically Einstein's theory of relativity says nothing can travel faster than the speed of light. But what I don't understand is how changing the Earth's axis affects time, because that is not... You mean the Earth's rotation? Yeah, all you're doing is, all you're going to do is fuck up the Earth in big time. (laughs) It's not not like winding a watch backwards. I mean, you know, I, I'm not a scientist, Randy, but correct me if I'm wrong. From my understanding of science and gravity, everything like that, when the moment when the Earth stopped spinning and before it would go back the other way, gravity would stop and everybody would float off the fucking planet, as well as the planet, atmosphere. It's a centrifuge. Yeah, that's that's what what well, the planet it. would break its orbit and spin off into the universe, and we'd all be fucked. Yeah, well, we would. But let me point out that you're watching a movie about a guy who's from another fucking planet and can fly. <laughs> so if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. You just buy the shit that they throw at you. Hey, the reason why I held them accountable was that Jarrell was giving him lecture on the, and he mentioned Einstein's theory of relativity in the movie. I'm like, okay, if you're going to mention it and and spout that as is, is a truth that travels how many galaxies away uh, Krypton was. You know, then be true to it, but you know, whatever. Well, they mention it. They don't mean they understand it. They just mentioned it. Yeah, but this is for me again a flaw of the film where they decide that they, this is a, this is a you know a the napkin op- you know moment <laughs> that these writers have like ah ah let's make him go back in time. You know, a couple they- of other science faux pas is is is, is the, uh, the 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 San Andreas fault. It's two tectonic plates shifting. Superman goes under the tech, one of the tectonic plates, lifts it back up at the fault line. What's going to keep it from falling back down once he leaves? <laughs> and so he leaves and he saves everybody. And then, and then the I think he uses like, super glue. <laughs> yeah, That's where it came, it came out in the mid seventies, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, Lex Luthor tells him, "We, I got two missiles going, and even your super speed can't stop them both." And then the guy goes around the planet like eight times per second. It's like, dude, he could easily have gone back and forth. And the scene where he's going after that first missile, he's slowly, I mean, that was like a 20-second sequence where he's slowly easing up to the missile. I'm like, grab it! You know? No, I agree with you. It's, uh, there's uh, great inconsistencies. Uh, but when you have the death of the woman you love, and you just don't understand <laughs> what, what it will cause you to do. To yeah. Superman, right? so, yeah, he can well, go real fast. Millions of lives didn't, wasn't enough adrenaline for him. But again, I come back to they didn't have to do that they could have come up with a better concept you know as far as saving the planet saving people whatever uh without you know cheating and going back in time so i just especially as you know i remember as a kid kind of being jazzed about that oh yeah look at him he's you know going fast he's going back in time whatever but and seeing it back again i knew it was coming but i just was, was already just nah, this is bullshit. you would think after 40 years of comics they would have more elements to pull from 
Exactly. For the first show, for, right, for the first one, I, I thought they, that's exactly what I thought. It was almost like the writing for Strange Brew where they're at the end and like, I don't know what to do. Let's go back in time. Well, yeah. the, the music was very similar in Strange Brew. <laughs> yeah, let's have a flying dog. <laughs> well, you do talk about the music. Um, I mean, th- that is one thing that certainly stands out. No, I agree with you, Matt, that the uh, the the music in this film by John Williams is just iconic. And he was in a, during the late 70s, he was just, and even the early 80s, he was just on a hot streak with in doing Jaws, with doing Close Encounters, Star Wars, this film, Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, just a whole bunch of memorable, memorable pieces of music. And I think this is one of the most memorable ones that it, immediately hearing the beginning parts of the the main theme it just you know i know what film it is i know instantly brings back memories and i think it's very it's very fitting for the film i think that without a doubt the music throughout the film with the exception of the poetry reading uh, (laughs) is the best part of uh, the best thing in the entire film and it was so good that uh, they when they made the 2006 version they even brought that music back and it's one of the things i liked about the 2006 version that they 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 brought that music into it and he never did any of the orchestrations for two three four and then um superman returns but they always came back to that music they always included the john williams main title sequence well, and as bad as the movie is, and I do think this movie's bad, I do still have a an emotional reaction to the music. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it still is this kind of inspiring, uh, you know, this, the hero is on his way type thing. You know, I, I definitely have, still had that. It's like when the, the, the truck uh, it falls off the jack and uh, Superboy lifts the, the truck up. You know, the, the first thing that I always think of is the music playing in the background to that sequence. Yeah, I I think of the the helicopter sequence. <laughs> that is the really blow the blow up sequence of the film, or what the, to me I think is the best sequence of the film. The ultimate final reveal of Superman to the world, where he saves Lois and then catches the the uh, the helicopter, kind of the double jeopardy sequence. And and I think that sequence is about as perfect as a film could be for a superhero film. That they add a little bit of comedy, you know, stretching back when he runs to the phone booth and takes a look at it, kind of acknowledging. That you know, in the old days, that Superman would change in the phone booth, and now phone booths have changed. And now, it would be funny in this day where there would be no fucking phone booth to start with, because <laughs> it's that you know that has no relevance to our time. But even when he comes out of uh, the revolving door and he's changing the Superman and the pimps yelling at, "Hey, Jack!" Woo! You know that. I mean, that they can throw in this comedy in this you know very theoretically very stressful high tension sequence i think is it's just great and it plays very very well and a couple of the little heroic things he does after that um stopping the robbers on the boat uh stopping the guy climbing up the window i think it played pretty well i think they just go on too long with that sequence once again saving the little cat saving the president it just gets it's just like okay i got the idea that he's i I get it he can he can save people yeah. He's very, very strong. The, a lot. Once they get to Metropolis, I think the film is much better. It has a better flow. I, I ultimately think the problem with the story is they tried to jam too much stuff into it. That they tried to cover a complete origin tale, and then they tried to cover, you know, the reveal of Superman to the world, and then they and and a romance storyline, and then they also tried to cover Luthor's plan. It's just too much in this film, and they should have pared it down quite a bit and tried to tell it in a different way. I think that's a problem with a lot of superhero movies, though. Like, even The, the Dark Knights. Well, like, The Dark Knight that came out, you know, not too long ago, which was a phenomenally great movie. I think they put a lot in it. Don't you blasphemy. 
Yeah. Don't you blast I, I me? I think they put it was. It, it could have been two different movies, as far as I'm concerned. You know, they just put too much into it. So I think that's just a kind of the genre that you risk uh, throwing a whole lot in there because they've got so much backstory from all these comics from all these years. All right, generally, you're, generally that's true, but The Dark Knight was almost perfect for me. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with Matt. No, I think it was a great, great movie. I'm just saying that they did put um, the, the the ending part with the with Two Face. That could have been a separate movie. Make it a two parter. No, I can see what you're saying is that you ha- you lead up to that and have it mm-hmm. as, as a kind of a sequel to the film. I, 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 it's unfortunate that they could have done something with that and they chose not to. Although we'll never know what they intended to do because I guess Heath Ledger was supposed to be in the third one. So and- right, <laughs> ah, that sucks. I think Jack Nicholson's free. Damn you, Ambien. <laughs> well, the one thing I I did noticed and didn't remember is the introduction of Zod and his minions, which is the opening scene, to be abandoned completely. And I love Superman too. With uh, you actually have good bad guys. Uh, you have real real conflict where he loses his powers. Is he going to get him back? And that that is a good superhero movie. Or that is a good su- that is the only Superman movie in my estimation worth worth seeing. Well, it's because it's well, the it's only really- one where he's got the potential to lose. You know exactly. He's interest- He's more interesting now. Well, and uh, but it's kind of well, it's kind of odd that. I mean, they introduce these three villains, they send them off in outer space, and then they have nothing else to do with the movie. Well, the whole plan, Superman 1 and 2 were filmed simultaneously. Well, they were filmed at the same time to try to save money, and ultimately they started going over budget, and what they did is abandon finishing Superman 2 and just, okay, we're going to focus on finishing Superman 1, and if it is a hit, we'll come back to it. So... They actually filmed everything you see with Gene Hackman in the second film. He was they had filmed for the during the making of the first film. And there's actually even um, there's for people who are out there Superman two the Richard Donner cut because Richard Donner the director of the first one after it became a big hit and he did a good job got fired even though he'd filmed three quarters of Superman two already. And they didn't bring him back, and he had filmed an entire sequence with Marlon Brando that doesn't even appear in the final version of Superman 2 because they hired a new director who came in and reshot a lot of the same a lot of the same scenes. And Marlon Brando wasn't going to come back to do it because he'd already earned his money and done his part. And if you don't want to use it, then you don't use those scenes. So and was and was in litigation as I read with the uh, production company over profit uh, contracts associated with uh, profit sharing. Yeah, he. I mean, he had a falling out with the the Salkins and Warner Brothers over the first film, and but that's why you have that is that um, we. You know, I know Matt and I had both done some research, and we came. We read where one of the missiles that Superman or the missile that Superman throws into space in Superman One was supposed to blow up and cause them to be freed from the 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 Phantom Zone, as it will, which is how they're ultimately freed in the second one from a different nuclear bomb. Different missile. Yeah, but they they ended up not doing that because they didn't know if there was going to be a two when they finally finished Superman one. See, so. see here again. This this now just goes to straight creative process editing. So if if that's the vision, that's an interesting way to bookend it, right? You start with the, the this crew and then you end with them being released for some sort of a cliffhanger. That's interesting. You abandon the end part of it. There is no reason not to just cut off and lop off that first scene, the trial, and just start with 
the council and our our world's getting ready to be destroyed so that there's a seamless narrative and so that to me is just a uh, just an indictment on on the editors here well i and i think they they still had the intention of going that way with the second film so they want to set it up and it was you know it was a brief, brief two or three minute sequence which kind of introduces the world of krypton you know, and I, I don't. It, I'm not bothered by the fact that it was in there. I, it's a. I'm glad they didn't leave it as a cliffhanger, um, because I like the way it's done in Superman Two a little bit better. Um, that, that if it had been done as a cliffhanger, I, I don't like cliffhanger films. I don't, especially when you don't know if there's going to be another one or it's going to be years before you have another one. You want to do a cliffhanger and bring it out six months later, a la Back to the Future. That's great because then I don't have to wait too long to see it. But. If you didn't know there was going to be a Superman 2 in 1978, they didn't know if they were going to go back and finish it when they released it. I think they would have pissed off a lot of fans who went, hey, I saw half a movie. Yeah. But I do agree with you that, hey, if this was your ultimate plan, there's some way creatively you could have done it. But you had Mario Puzo writing the original story for this, you know, and he was the guy who created The Godfather. He probably had an epic-length tale to tell about that, you know, the Superman tale. All right. Let's go around and give our final review of Superman colon the movie Patrick actually you've been talking a lot lately okay Chris <laughs> I think Superman is great colon the movie not so great <laughs> I think for the most part the the special effects are okay other than the the mentioned train scene that story is just too long and needed some serious editing. So I, I don't really think it stands up overall all that well because of that. Randy. I mean, it's pretty much all the stuff we've been talking about. The, if you're going to spend an hour developing a story, have it more, um, have it more coherent, have, have more substance, not just random. The kids in high school are jerks to me. And I'm, you know, and, and it was just, it was so tedious the first hour of developing uh, the man, Superman, and where he came from. And then, and the other part that drove me nuts was was the we already talked about the campiness that was interjected awkwardly over and over. That that was also that also took away from the overall uh, enjoyment of the film. Again, I I like Christopher Reeve. I liked him more as Clark Kent than Superman. I thought he was really. Uh, I mean, let's face it, Christopher Reeve back then was a hunk, and uh, and he was able to play <laughs> a sexy, sexy man. He was he was a beautiful man. <laughs> But uh, he he, he, did, he really did manage to deliver kind of a goofy uh, character that people didn't like and couldn't get out of his own way walking down the hallway. So I like Christopher Reeve. I like Gene Hackman. But overall, the, it was it was a long two hours. All right, I hate this movie. <laughs> I hate it. But I ultimately think it's an indictment of the. Superman mythology and the the canon of Superman, which ultimately just can't get out of its own way because it's flawed. Uh, its conception is flawed. Its characters are flawed. Uh, the villains aren't interesting. The 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 hero himself isn't interesting, um, and so it's hard to make a, a emotion picture out of it ultimately. And then you compound it by making it overlong and uninteresting. So that uh, does not stand the test of time for me. Patrick, bring us home. Well, 
in the 70s, I thought the film was, as a child, I thought the film was long. I, as I said, the first hour before, you basically don't see Superman for the first hour, hour and five, hour and ten minutes, something like that. And that's really hard for a kid who went to go, who goes to see a Superman movie going, at some point I'm going to see Superman, right, in this movie, Mom? And th- so I remember being tediously bored with this film uh, the multiple times I did see it. I've seen it many times. I've probably seen this film 30, 35 times in my life, a lot of it when I was a kid. And does it stand... 60 hours, bro. Yeah, I know. 70-something Trust me. As as you said that you remembered every scene, you know, I I could tell you pretty much how how every scene plays out. Possibly could recite dialogue to you because I've seen it so many times, especially when I was a kid. I do not think it stands the test of time. And I, and I kind of agree with Matt is the more of the mythology of Superman. Superman is not the hero for today's world. There are heroes of dark darkness to him. They have angst. And Superman ultimately does not have any angst. I'm, that's why I don't think the 2006 film works. That's why I think next year when The Man of Steel, the, the new Superman movie, comes out in 2013, probably is not going to work, even though they're going to have a General Zod in it uh, this time. So they'll have an actual bad guy. Uh, All right, that interests me. Yeah, no, 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 I, I trust me. No matter how much how bad I thought any of the Superman movies were, I would still be there in line to see it again or see the next one because it's a comic book movie. And as I said, I'm gonna let my nerd flag fly. And I love. I grew up reading comics. I love comics. I still like comic book movies today. And that all being said, that it's not stand the test of time, and that I was bored with it as a child. I still like this movie. I don't know wow. why. I really. It's one of those that maybe it's the nostalgia of it. It throws me back to my childhood that when after I can get past the first hour, which as an adult, I appreciate a little bit more. I wish it would have been a lot shorter, but I can understand it. The kind of the development of the character that that sequence when he saves Lois and stops the helicopter from flying and that that, as I said, is just I love that scene. I really love that scene. I do like the scenes when he's with Gene Hackman. I think the dialogue and the exchange between the two of them is good. Um, I, I, I will admit every fault we see, but I can suspend the disbelief to go, ah, it's got faults, but oh well. You know, it's just, it's just fun. And it's a popcorn movie for me. It's just one I can watch. I know I'll see again in my lifetime. I've got the in the Blu-ray four-pack complete Superman anthology, and that has three and four, and those are total shit. So I don't watch those very often, but I can't wait till we review them because I haven't—I really have probably haven't seen those from since the '80s because they're so bad. But I love Superman one, I love Superman two. I agree, Superman two is a far superior film. But yeah, even with its faults, I still like the film. But I do not think it stands the test of time. Someone who never seen a Superman movie, this is probably not the one to start with. All right, join us next week where we give Patrick a lobotomy. (laughs) (laughs) You deserve it after that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All you Superman geeks out there, you can send us complaints and comments, uh, corrections, whatever. Uh, You can send us an email at mail at lunchtimemoviereview.com and check out the Facebook page, Lunchtime Movie Review, and follow us on Twitter at Lunchtime Movie. And keep listening. We're getting out of here right now, and you guys are invited.
This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Home Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Superman the Movie, all names and sounds of Superman the Movie characters, and any other Superman the Movie related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Warner Home Entertainment or their respective trademark and or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Lunchtime Movie Review, the MHM Podcast Network, and Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment, LLC, unless otherwise noted.